Do you ever have those moments in your life when someone just gets under your skin? (laughs) So much so that you want to punch him in the face? (laughs) Anyone ever experience where you really want to inflict physical harm on another human being created in the image of God, anyone? And sometimes it's a matter of it's just been festering, right? There's just, it's just been building up and building up, building up, and you just get to the end of, of your rope and you just want to lash out. Or maybe it just happens in a moment of time. Maybe you're going along your day and you're being cheery and positive and everything's going great and one person can say one thing and it completely derail your day. And isn't it interesting how quickly those feelings can emerge and how just how you try to handle that? Well, I have to confess to you this morning, that happened to me this week. I know you're all in shock, right? (laughs) Pastor Tim. You have feelings of wanting to punch people in the face? I do. (laughs) And the reason I'm sharing that with you is because it gets worse, okay? I didn't hit anybody in the face. (laughs) Because I know how much God loves us. And I know how much he is working in our lives and orchestrating events in our lives. And I know how powerful his word really truly is. And what's interesting is I was having these feelings and emotions and the next thing on my to-do list was to go lock myself in my office and finish my sermon for today. And you're going to see in a few moments the first few words of our text for today and how God rocked my world in a good way because he loves us and he has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And so if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, you're watching online for the first time, or maybe you've just been checking us out the last couple of weeks, we're so glad to have you here. We honestly believe that you're not here by accident, that the Holy Spirit has brought you here, and he knows exactly what you need to hear today. We're a Bible-believing church. We believe what Jesus has done for us, and we believe that the Bible is the incredible gift that God has given us. It's what has the power to change and transform our lives. And one of the things that we like doing here is what we call sermon series. And so often we will do letters or books of the Bible. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been going through a letter that a guy named Peter, he was one of Jesus' disciples, he was actually one of the inner circle of his disciples, very close to Jesus, writes a letter to these churches. And at his time, it was considered Asia Minor. And there were all these churches that were scattered all over the area. And it was kind of an interesting time because Christianity was really just on the beginning of of kind of launching out. And these Christians, these early Christians, they didn't grow up, you know, going to Sunday school or Hebrew school. They didn't really understand a lot of the Bible, and they were learning and growing as they went. But they were also under a lot of persecution. There was a guy named Nero. Some of you might remember learning him in school. He was kind of the ruler at the time, and Rome Rome was kind of the major hub of the time. And he was kind of an interesting character. Uh, He dealt with a lot of pride, and he thought that it would be a good idea to burn Rome down. You guys remember this? And so he lit Rome on fire, and for nine days, Rome burnt to the ground because he thought, hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to burn this place down, and then I'm going to build it bigger and better, and then I'll get all the praise and I'll get all the recognition. 
And when he found out that people didn't really appreciate the fact that their city was burning, <laughs> guess what he did? Does anybody know? Someone just said it. He blamed the Christians. So you have these people, I want you to think about this, as we're reading this letter, as Peter is penning these words, he's writing them to people who are in a system, a government system that's corrupt, they're, they're living in a time when, when society is at an all-time worse, and they're struggling because they're literally being blamed for something they didn't do. And it was to a personal cost to them. And what's interesting is we look at the times that we live in. Now, we're not in pre-Christian, we're in post-Christian uh, society where it seems like everyone's like kind of irritated and I've already heard that or I already know that or I have this or I don't know if I buy everything that the Bible believes or teaches and all of those things. And so we have different challenges today, but yet we're still in a society that's still trying to sort things out. A society that's still confused, a society that's still without the hope that they can have in Jesus and so today, with week three, we've actually made it up to 1 Peter, the second chapter. If you haven't been here, I'd invite you to go online and watch. It's really cool. You can watch online on demand anytime at any day. I know several of you do that. That's kind of your routine. Those of you that are going to be watching maybe even later today or later this week. And what's really cool is if you download our app, I love our app, on your smartphone, uh, you can see what we're going to cover each week before you even come to church. And I would invite you to read the passages before you get here. There's no better way to prepare your heart and your mind for what we're going to talk about than reading the verses. And here's what's really cool. We try to break it up between 10 to 15 verses a week. And so today we're going to cover just 10 verses. Isn't that great? Just 10 verses? But I've got to be honest with you. I could easily preach three messages just based on these 10 verses. Because Peter loves to connect Scripture to the Old Testament. So there's some explaining that needs to take place. And he's deep and he's rich in how he explains things. And so if you're tired this morning, can I just give you some advice? I would just go to sleep, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna lose you anyways, and you can watch it later on tonight or tomorrow morning. Those of you that got a great night's sleep and you're ready to go and you're rearing to grow, I would invite you to grab your Bible or grab one of the chair Bibles that's in front of you. Turn to page 1014. If you're watching online, go and find the Bible in your home and bring it back into your living room or your kitchen table. Or if you're watching, you can click the Bible tab at the bottom of the screen and it'll pop up the, the scriptures and you can just type 1 Peter in, enter, and you can follow along with us as well. So 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, I'm going to take you back to my office. Remember what was in my heart at the time, the state of mind that I was in, and I read these words. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And I just said, I'm so glad I don't deal with any of these things. <laughs> like, this is easy. I don't ever struggle with these things. Peter, why are you telling the church, do they not have enough hanging over their heads? Are they not already struggling? Are we not already struggling in our time and people think we're crazy for, for being followers of Jesus? Why do we have to put all of these things away? What do these things even mean? What is malice? Nine o'clock didn't know either. <laughs> so I looked it up. Guess what malice means? It's not good. You ready for this? The desire to inflict injury, harm, or suffering on another person. <laughs> I was like, oh man. You got me. You're right. Man, I'm sinful. 
God, help me. Help me to not have those feelings about another human being. When you start breaking these down and you think about deceit, lying, making someone believe something that is not true. God, is that in my heart? Have I been stretching the truth? Am I living a lie? How about hypocrisy? The act of claiming to believe something but acting in a different manner. And this one's kind of interesting to me because think of the society that we live in now and how easy it is to call out other people's hypocrisy. Oh, it's getting quiet. (laughs) Right? And what's interesting is how much social media perpetuates this because you go, wait a second, you said that but then you posted this on social media or or you said you would never do this and then you're doing this over here on social media and all it has done is cause more confusion and heartache. But this is for us. This is aimed at us. What's the hypocrisy in my heart? What is it that I keep telling others that they should stop doing or or walk in this way, but yet I'm still holding on to it even in my own life? What are the things that I say when my kids are around? What kind of attitude am I carrying? How about envy? Wanting what other people have. God, why don't you bless my life? How come it seems that you keep pouring out your blessings upon them? Don't you know the ways in which they sin? God, let me inform you of the way my, sin, my neighbors keep sinning. So I don't know why you keep blessing them, but you should probably, I think you're missing a house. You just need to move over your hand of blessing. Clearly you're not getting the signals correctly. There must be a cloud in your way and the blessings need to start coming to my house and not to their house. How about this last one, Slander to gossip or to spread false information. I told you this series wasn't going to be easy. This this could be a sermon in of itself. Verse 1. The heart surgery that God wants to do in our lives. And it's for our good. Peter's telling the church because God told Peter to tell the church and God's telling us today, this is not how I want you to live. I have a better plan for you. So let me ask you, as you think about these things, how is your spiritual health? And isn't it interesting how much time that we spend on our physical health? Now, I want to thank all of you last week. You were so kind. This is such a kind and generous congregation. So many of you offered me your bifocals. (laughs) And if you weren't here last week, I had to admit that I went to the eye doctor and I can't, I, the reason I have to have the screen is because I can't read the pages of the Bible anymore and he told me I needed bifocals and I told him that I didn't need bifocals <laughs> and we parted ways. <laughs> also interesting, this last week I went to the dentist and it was, it was cool because you know the hygienist does her thing and then the dentist comes in at the end and he looks over and he goes, everything looks great, Tim. And I was like, Yes. I'm going to be 44 years old next month and I still don't have any cavities. God, thank you for your blessings. <laughs> oh, you're going to even clap for that, huh? And I said, can you write a, can you write a note to, to the eye doctor and let him know? <laughs> I am a healthy individual, right? I don't know if that's because I have strong genetics or because my mom always made sure I went to the dentist. Who knows? Probably a combination of both. But even going to the medical doctor, and how, much, how much time and energy we spend on our physical beings, on the inside and on the outside, what they can come up with just doing blood work and 
page after page, some of the stuff we can't even pronounce, some of the stuff we don't even understand what it means, all of this data, the way that technology has progressed. I don't know why every time I go to my medical doctor, for some reason I always seem to come home with another bottle, <laughs> some more supplements to help me. And I told my wife, I'm like, my gosh, look at the counter. Like I'm almost to the point where I'm gonna need a pillbox just to keep track of all of these things. But again, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. There, there's people out there that want to help me, and they're like, hey, you need to take this three times a day, you need to take this in the afternoon, you need to take this before you go to bed. Good thing they wrote it all down for me. But think of that. And then in view of our spiritual health, how much time do we actually focus on the inside of our souls? Here's what I actually believe. I believe God wants us to be spiritually healthy. I believe the reason he would start even the, the verse this morning this way is because he wants the best for you. He's going to be held bondage by these feelings and by these emotions. He wants you to live life in view of who he is and what he's doing on this earth and keep your focus on him and the mission that he has given you. And I love it because he gives you the antidote. He gives you kind of the focus. Hey, church, here's what you should focus on. So he says this next. Like newborn infants... Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up. So you're growing up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Think of this. Now I know this is wordy. I know this is like, okay, what in the world is this talking about? Simply what he is saying in these verses is this. You need to hear the gospel message. In fact, you need to hear the gospel message over and over and over again. You need to hear the gospel message every single time you gather for worship here. And let me tell you this, this is the gospel message, that God the Father created you, and that God the Father sent his son Jesus to this earth to live a sinless life, to go through everything that we go through. He knows exactly what it means to be a human being. He knows exactly what it means to struggle with temptations and the things that, that try to distract us all around us. But yet he went to the cross. He stretched out his arms. He died an innocent man so that he could be the sacrifice, so that he could pay for our sins. So that three days later he could rise from the dead, that he could take that step out of that tomb and empty that tomb so that you and I can have life and have life to the full. But it might not be the life that maybe we think that we're supposed to have in this earth. It's life in a whole new realm. It's living with a whole new perspective because it's in view of who he is and what he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And we need to hear it every single week, don't we, Marilyn? Amen, because I got this sister here, and she's the one that reminds me every week, you say it every week, because we need to hear it every single week. This is exciting news, folks. God created you, he sent Jesus to die for you, and you get to be a child of his. This is good news. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know where he got this from? It's actually in Psalms. It says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I don't have to rely on the government. I don't have to rely on systems around us. I don't have to rely on anything else other than who God is. I take refuge in my God, my creator, who sent his son to redeem us, who by the power of the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me, think of all the songs we sang this morning, and gives me the power to face life, who gives me the ability to live life on this earth as he's called me to live. And I get to live in view of that. That is exciting news. 
That is, that is news filled with hope and assurance and peace. So don't ever think that you don't need to hear the gospel. Don't ever think, well, I've heard that before. Is this where Jesus dies on the cross? Is it two or three days later that he rises? No, you need to hear this every time. And so does everyone in your midst. Your kids need to hear it. Your spouses need to hear it. Your neighbors need to hear it. Everyone needs to hear the greatest message of all. That's what this whole idea is of craving pure spiritual milk. Letting the gospel in and letting it take root in our hearts and our lives. Maybe this is another way to get at it. What happened, Paul? All right, oh, he's right back on it. How is your current spiritual diet? How do you feed your soul? You know, we've tried to come up with ways to to engage people here, to help people out. I mean, you can read the passage before you come. When you leave, you can go back on the app and there's questions for the car ride home. If you're watching at home, you can pull up the app and there are couch side questions so you can have a little small group time. Three questions. There's small group questions. There's way to engage, get into a life group. There's opportunities for Bible studies all during the week. Man, we love God's word. We want to get God's word into your life. We want to do everything that we can to help you grow in your faith. It's kind of interesting when you see what's taking place and people that, that, that understand the power that, that resides in God's word, that it's living and that it's active, that it doesn't return void. I know at the end of the day, the most important thing that I can do for you is read you God's word. That's why I love going through letters and books of the Bible. It's kind of interesting because I stumbled across this information this week, this research firm that had uh, interviewed a ton of people, in fact, over 400,000 participants And they did this research where they said those who read their Bible, now think about this, four times a week. Not just on Sunday morning when I read it to you, but on your own when you're out there and you're studying and you open God's word and maybe it's a verse, maybe it's a paragraph, maybe you have a devotional book that has a scripture and an explanation, whatever it is, four or more times a week, listen to this, they're 407% more likely to memorize scripture. Do you know why that's important? Because the Bible says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Those things at the beginning that we talked about, how do we resist that? It's knowing the word of God and when those feelings dwell up, we, we begin to quote scripture because we're so in the word of God that we can say, okay God, this is what your word says. How about this? They're 228% more likely to share their faith. This means the only way that the church is ever going to accomplish its mission is to get people into the word of God. Our mission is to tell others about Jesus. Otherwise, why are we here? God should just take us now. (laughs) One, two, I'll help. (laughs) He must still have more for us. We're still here. He hasn't taken us. That means he's got more of a mission for us. And if it is a catalyst for us getting into God's word, how about this? 59% less likely to view pornography. How many more marriages and relationships get ruined by this stuff? The conversations that I've had to have, even this last week, marriages that are struggling, people that you may never thought would ever go through something this ugly and awful, but because it started back in something like this, because there was a seed that got into someone's heart, and the devil just begins to do his work. 
about this? 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. Well, maybe there is something to the Bible. Maybe there's something is to God's word, this living, active, breathing word of God for us. And we want God's word to be enveloped in your life. We want you to know scripture. We want you to see the power that comes from being in a relationship with a loving and a gentle and a gracious God. Jesus put it this way. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Satisfied. Satisfied in him. In John, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hungry, and he who, or hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. It's powerful. That's, that's where that, that comfort comes from. That's where that peace from within comes. It's God who gives us that. Then all of a sudden, you know, the cares and concerns of the world, and sometimes, let's just be honest, we turn into whiners, don't we? Oh, it's, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Trust me, I was a whiner this week. I, with my fist up. <laughs> Why have you burdened me with this person? Oh, God, you know? Shut up, Tim. Hunger and thirst for me. Pray for that person. So interesting as well this week, Pastor Craig came and picked me up from the church to take me to lunch. Wasn't that nice of him? And so we're in his car and we're getting ready to pull left out of the church parking lot. And I had a couple text messages and I said, you care, if, can I just fire these off so that I know I've answered them so they don't have to wait and then we can go have lunch and I promise I'll put my phone away. He's like, yeah, that's fine. And so he pulls out left onto 23 mile and all of a sudden he slams on the brake and you hear this, and there's this huge, massive pickup truck that comes over on the side of us. And he's on my side because I'm in the passenger seat. And of course, I'm looking at my phone and I look up and I look to my right. And there's this really wonderful, gentle man who has his hand up. <laughs> and he wasn't waving at me. And I said, Pastor Craig, what did you do? He goes, that turkey, he cut me off. <laughs> and I was like, what do we do? Do we get out and start a fight? <laughs> I think we can take them. <laughs> or do we pray? I mean, you know what I mean? Like how your thoughts, it's just nuts what goes through your head. You're like, no, I mean, we should pray for him. Who knows who he is? For all we know, he's a believer from down the street. Maybe he goes to St. Peter Macomb. I mean, who knows who the guy is, right? <laughs> That's life. That's what happens so often. They're like, oh man, come after me, thirst for me, hunger for me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. And so I wonder, are we actually hungry for God? My concern is many of us, maybe we're just spiritually depleted. We have drained ourselves because we've gotten ourselves fixated on so many other things around us. We've lost our focus on our first love, our true love, on our Lord and our Savior and he's the only one that's going to get us through anything we face in life. Amen. Even if 2023 becomes this great magical year and all of a sudden, you know, all the flowers are in bloom and it never rains and there's no snow and everything's just great, we're still going to need Jesus. Do you know that? Because all those things are, are the weather. And all of a sudden, all our political leaders come together and there's a big hug fest in Congress and everybody loves each other. and Everything's great. Guess what? We're still going to need Jesus. He's our only hope. Don't put your hope in this world, I'm telling you. 
Put your hope in the only place it should be in and in Jesus Christ. This is what it says next in Peter. It says this, as you come to him, so whether that's you're coming to church, you're in your home, you're opening your Bible, you're in your car, you're listening to Christian music, whatever it is, as you come to him, remember, he's a living stone and he was rejected by men. Not everyone wanted to hear the message he had to preach either. But in the sight of God, he was chosen and he was precious, just as you are chosen and precious in the sight of God. You yourselves are like living stones. You're being built up. God is building you up as a spiritual house. Not a physical house, you're a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And again, Peter gets a little wordy in here, right? You're like, okay, what in the world? You might be new to church, living stones, stones. What is all of this about? He's trying to bring in the analogy of, of buildings because back then they built all their homes out of stone. And he's saying, look, that, that, that God has a purpose and a plan for you and you are part of God's master plan on this earth. And he is the one that's building you up. He is building you into his spiritual house, the church. The church is another way of saying his bride, that we are his bride, that he loves us, that he's never stopped working that we are to be holy priesthood. And what does that mean to be a holy priesthood? See, they knew that, that things had changed because before, in order to atone for your sins, you would have to go to a priest. And you would give the priest a sacrifice, an animal that, that, that they would then sacrifice and atone for your sins. But when Jesus died on the cross, he became the ultimate sacrifice. They didn't need the priestly system anymore. And in fact, we all became priests. We're all in the same boat. We're all to be used by God to, to spread the message of hope to our lost and dying world. That's what he means by a holy priesthood. We're holy because God has declared us holy. He has made us holy. And it's interesting that we would now offer spiritual sacrifices. Not physical sacrifices, but spiritual sacrifices. That we pray for one another. That by our words and our actions, we encourage one another. This is why sometimes it's hard for people to understand Christians. Why would you want to be a Christian? Let me get this straight. I become a follower of Jesus, and you want me to come to church. You want me to read my Bible. You want me to be in Bible study. You want me to help people in this life. You want me to actually let go of some of the things that I've worked so hard for and to share my resources with others. That's crazy. You want me to sign up and give up a weekend of my time in the summer and go serve people that maybe we don't even know? And all we get out of the deal is a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, and then you want us to come back the next Sunday and you want us to give you 10% of our income. Are you nuts? Are you off your rock? Who would do that? The people of God would. Why would they do that? Because they realize that those funds and those, those, uh, those monies are going to spread the gospel so that the message could go out so more and more people could get to know who Jesus is. Because we're not building a kingdom here on earth, we're building God's kingdom which is eternal and forever and ever and ever. That's what he's talking about here. Look what he says, verse six. For it stands in scripture, and he's gonna go back and he's gonna quote Isaiah, it's an Old Testament book. He says, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So he wants the church to understand that this was part of God's plan from the very beginning, and these Gentile Christians, these early Christians, are tied to the full redemptive story of God from beginning to end. It says, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Again, not everyone wants to be part of a Christian community. Not everyone wants to sign up for Team Jesus because it may mean they have to give up their lifestyle. It may mean that they would have to humble themselves and realize that they are not God. They're not the creator, they're the creation. And certainly we pray, we ask the Holy Spirit, we want more and more people to come to this revelation because in that is true freedom. In that is true joy on this earth. Now some of you, I know what you're asking yourself right now. You know what you're asking yourself? Why did they give me a Lego block on the way in? Has anyone figured that out? Has anyone figured that out? Why don't you go ahead and grab your Lego, okay? If you don't have one, you raise your hand, the ushers will be glad to give you one. I want you just to look at this. And what's so interesting about Legos is that there's things that you can build underneath Legos and there's things that you can build on top of Legos. And how many times do we see that people actually don't have a foundation in anything? They're out there on their own. They're a lone ranger. They just do everything themselves. They don't want anybody's help. They don't need anybody's influence. And they're really, it's sad. They're just out there on, the, on their own and they're just trying to build as much of a life here on earth as they can. And so they stack these different boxes that all really give us, at the end of the day, false hope. Then you have those that that say, oh, no, 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 I'm going to have a foundation, but I'm going to determine what the foundation is. And so they begin to build from underneath, and they say, well, if I get this area of my life together, and I get this area of my life together, and I have this area of my life together, and I get everything aligned the way that I wanted, all of a sudden, all these investments are going to begin to grow and yet there's no place for God. And we know that the most important thing that we can anchor our lives to, because everyone at the end of the day is a block. Think about that. You calling me a blockhead? No, I'm not calling you a blockhead. (laughs) At the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're all individuals. We all have a soul. This flesh that we learned about last week, remember, it's like the grass that withers and falls away. Our soul is what remains. And what is it that we have anchored ourselves to? What is that foundation that we've attached ourselves to? And would we allow the Holy Spirit, even in this moment, even as we've read these scriptures, to convict our hearts, this is the law, that he would say to us, hey, maybe there's some things that you've anchored your life to. Maybe there's some things that you have attached yourself to, and God is saying to you, those are not the things that I want you to have in your life. In fact, you become so consumed and so focused on all of these other blocks that I never intended for you to have in your life. And today, I want you to give me those blocks because I care about you, because I care about your soul, because I want to do something in your life, a deep work, the heart surgery that we've been talking about. I have more in store for you than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. You can trust me because I created you. And at the end of the day, this is all that is going to remain. Anything we build around us, anything we build on top of us, it's all going to fade. What's going to remain is the block. And what have we built our life on? I want you to see this. 
Because as we end with these last two verses, nine and 10, he's gonna give us the gospel once again. He's gonna tell us the good news once again. In verse nine, it starts this way. But you are. And you know how much I love these verses. It's not you may be. You need to think about this. You need to feel about this. No, if God declares it, then it's to be exactly the way that it is. You are, get ready for this, this is really cool. You are a what? Uh, a, and a what? Oh man, thanks be to God. My citizenship is so much greater than the citizenship that I have here in this country. And thanks be to God, we live in one of the greatest countries on the planet. And I'm part of God's nation. I'm not part of anybody else's nation. I'm not part of the WWE nation or whatever other nations are out there. I'm part of God's holy nation. I'm his child. I'm a royal priest. I'm not just a priest. Think about this. I'm a royal priest because God has declared me to be this. I'm a people for his own possession. God owns you. Did you know that? Sometimes people get uncomfortable with this. It's true all over scripture. God bought you with a price. He bought you through Jesus Christ and what he did to Jesus when he hung him on that cross. You are his possession that you may now proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's some more good news. Once you were not a people, remember this church, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You've received mercy. No matter how many times you screwed up, no matter how many times you want to punch somebody in the face, no matter how many times you cut somebody off in traffic, at least that was Pastor Craig's side of the story, right? Whatever happens out there, you're a forgiven, redeemed child of God. He is going to continue to work in your heart and your life so you can stand firm on his promises. You can stand firm on the promises of his word. And even as Peter is telling the church nearly 2,000 years ago, remember, it's tough out there. I know it stinks. I know you're experiencing persecution. And in a little while, they're going to experience even more persecution. And I would tell you what they did to Christians back then, but I know there's kids in the room. He was saying this, remember, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. Shepherd's Gate in the year 2021, hear these words. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And he is not going to let you go. He has not let you go. He is never going to let you go. You can try. You can run away. You can fill your life, build your life with all sorts of things around there. He loves you too much. In fact, you're here today to hear these words. You're watching online because he wanted you to hear these words. You are loved. You are valued. And he's going to continue to pour his love and his grace and his mercy into your life. So as the band comes, this is the final thing. This will tie all ten of these verses together. Always remember who you are in Christ. And because of who you are in Christ, you can now grow in your faith. It's not a got to, it's a get to. You get to grow in your faith. You get to be built up into community. That's why you're part of the block. And those of you that became new members today, how exciting that you've connected your block to this church here, Shepherd's Gate now. And we are becoming a stronger community because God keeps bringing people into our congregation. And then ultimately, our purpose. Don't ever forget our purpose. What an opportunity for us to proclaim Christ to our lost world. God, give us the ability to do that. 
Even when we fall, even when we struggle, even when we say and do the things we shouldn't do, God, help us to proclaim you to the lost world that more and more would come to know you. God, we love you and we thank you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, God, we know that your word has, has the power to change and transform lives. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I pray if there's anyone in this room, if there's anyone that is watching live online or they're watching later on demand that doesn't know you, I know your Holy Spirit is already at work. And I pray, God, that you would do what only you can do. Turn a heart toward you. Let them know how much they are loved and they are valued, how much you want to be part of their lives. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here today or they're watching. God, I know that you know the lives that they've experienced. Maybe it's been a tough week, a tough month, tough couple of years. God, I pray today they leave with hope. They leave with hope of knowing who you are and what it is that you have already done for them. What you declare over their lives and that they stand strong in the promises of you. And so God, even as we end our service today with this closing song, may this be from our heart to yours. God, receive our praises this morning as we continue worshiping you. God, we love you and we thank you. We pray all of these things in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.